And now for the podcast that's going to relitigate the final episode of a television show that ended years ago. This is Not All Podcasts Wear Capes. And now for the podcast that's ready to break its omerta. This is Not All Podcasts Wear Capes. I don't even know what that means. I don't either. Omerta. Like you're going to pop our cherry? Or something like that. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. This is a family show. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll talk. We'll talk about it. About familia. Uh-huh. Just a different kind. Yeah, yeah. My turn. Okay. And now for the podcast that woke up one morning and got some gabagool. This is not all podcasts wear capes. The gabagool. The gabagool. You, you celebrate the easy one, but me, I take some <laughs> chances ga- with the, the gabagool. Uh, over here. <laughs> what chances? You're 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 complaining about the same thing that people have always complained about. As if as if uh, Well, you're not complaining. Spade complains. <laughs> the the ending to the Soprano sucks. It I'm gonna flat suck. out say it right now. <laughs> Cause Spade Spade wants everything handed to him on a silver spoon on a silver platter. He That's doesn't right. like he doesn't like sitting in discomfort. I said the podcast he, has already started. You know, this is it. This is how it begins because I was right because we're going to talk about that final episode in light of... No, we're not. We're here to oh, talk. Oh, I'm completely going to talk about it because I think this sheds light on it. We're here to talk <laughs> about the many saints of Newark. What? What? The, the what? Which does which which is not referring which is not referring to your lovely hosts because all of us oh, okay. are from Newark. <laughs> yes. That's re- represent oh, movie Rick is this? City all day, gang gang. The, That's right. Represent the many saints of Newark. <laughs> the many. Oh, the Sopranos movie. We're gonna talk about the Sopranos movie. Ah, okay. See, I know everybody can't see you, but your screen right now it looks like the many saints of Newark with like a sepia tone feature over it. Uh, yeah. you know, like you're washed out. Normally, I'm such a color yeah. better. Yeah, doesn't he look like lighting, he, he could? Your your lighting's very gray. Anyway, yeah. hey everybody, just, just I'm like T here with Spade and La Ciguapa herself. Uh, welcome to our show. Thanks for coming back on and listening. We're gonna go a little bit out of our wheelhouse uh, today, but I think you know what? Our wheelhouse is fun, so we're gonna talk about many saints in Newark, like we were just saying. But, uh, T, you know what? We don't have a wheelhouse anymore. We're just going to cover what we want to cover moving forward. That's it. Right, right. That's yeah. it. Exactly. But, uh. Because we're going to do, we're going to, we have to do Ted Absolutely. Lasso. Absolutely. Right? Um, but, uh, Omerta, you guys never heard that saying before? I don't know no. what Omerta is. So. I think that's some kind of body part, gen- genitalia or something. No, that's Italian for keep your mouth shut. You're not supposed to break your Omerta. That's, oh. uh. You know, it's mob talk. Is that so, something? Because he's not breaking the Omerta, right? He can't. Well, he's <laughs> no, my dad was not in a mob. How do you know? How do you not know? Right? Well, 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 you know what? We have the, we have Anthony here as. Right. Well, we're going to break the Omerta on the, on the podcast, expert, right? Right now. We're going to talk all about the movie. The Ironbound. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> He moved to Landhurst. He's one of the he few across, left. <laughs> he, he moved. Well, not anymore. I don't state. live in, in Newark anymore, right? But yeah, I, see, I, I was there. We go. Another example of white flight Newark, from Newark. Newark. Paradise of the Pacific. <laughs> come on, come on, T. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So so the many saints of Newark. So how how'd you guys see it? Did you uh, go to the movies or HBO Max? This this uh, 
this bad boy. I wish I had gone to the movies, but everything I saw was sold out. Because of course it's going to be sold out on the first weekend. We're we're talking the weekend after it came out on Monday. And being from New Jersey, everybody's a big fan of the Sopranos around here. It's going to be yeah, sold yeah, yeah. out for I, the first I don't, weekend. So I I'm think all of us like watched it the, on HBO For Max. me to go to the movies, it has to be a super big yeah. draw. And it like... I, it, yeah. I would have liked to have gone. I would see it in the movies, but you know, COVID's still a, a reality. So I wouldn't have gone to the movies. I wouldn't have gone to the movies. I, I've seen an I I've seen yeah, enough episodes. You also don't know uh, who Uncle get, June is. You know the basic thing. I just it's been we'll a get long there. Time. We'll My get there, Ariane. Really we'll get there. <laughs> Sopranos fan, and uh, I watch a lot of it with him. There's whole I didn't I haven't seen every single episode of The Sopranos, but I got the big arc and I watched the entire last season. It's that it was so long ago that it, it's hard for me to remember that because I wasn't like tuned in. I was Yeah, I think it's been like 14, 15 really? years that since long? it came off the since it came off the air, yeah. Oh wow. I mean, I remember it being on when I was in college. I don't know if it finished when I was in college and I mean I graduated. It finished. From college, it so. finished in 2006, so I was still okay, in high so I was, school. I was two years out of college. Um, yeah, but I, I didn't watch the the first couple series on TV because we didn't have HBO when uh when I was in high school. That's when this started. So I actually bought like the first two seasons on DVD and watched them that way. And then uh, my aunt, who had HBO, lived next door to us. So I would go over and we would watch it together, and it basically That's so cute. as one does in the, the Iron the whole Mound. thing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, you just go right next door, right? Uh, but you know, just to just to talk about just you know, Sopranos as a significant um, television show wasn't uh, you know, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't the Sopranos the kind of big, the first really really big HBO show that was absolutely must watch Sunday night. Uh, I think I think, I think the wire the is... wire I think they both yeah, were out time, at the same right, time yeah. but I think I think most television can be de- uh, described as before Sopranos and after Sopranos I guess that's Sopranos. what I'm saying right after the Sopranos yeah after the Sopranos everything changed cuz it's really the blueprint for all the TV dramas that came out after um because now, yeah. after that, then we got Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad came out two years after Sopranos ended. Then there was Mad Men. And then, you know, there's things like Deadwood. Well, it became Justified. this serialized TV storytelling. Yeah. It wasn't just like like Seinfeld, right? Where it doesn't matter if you see every episode or not. Right. You're going to know what's right. going on. Like, with this stuff, yeah. you have to see every episode. But I, I know, for me, one of the big draws was they were filming it right in our neighborhood. Yeah. Like, a lot of the... A lot of stuff what they were filming was in Newark and, and in the Ironbound and stuff. And, you know, I don't know if I ever told you guys this story, but they actually uh, filmed my uncle. Oh, yeah? And, what uh, episode? Yeah. So so my, my uncle Mickey, God rest his soul, he um, he he was sitting on the, sto- on the steps. And, you know, he always sat on the steps and just watch everything. And the guys came up to him and said, hey, you want to be on a TV show? And he goes, okay. So they they put him on a hat, they put him on Warwick Street, and they just filmed him in the background. And I remember him always saying, "Did that? Sh- did I get in that show yet? Did I get in that show yet?" And then he passed away before the oh, show ever no. came out. No. 
but but they never used his scene. But I, no. my other, my uncle. So he he was my uncle, but he was my my grandmother's brother. So he was like in his seventies, almost eighties at the time, and uh, and yeah, they they never used him. But we always looked for him in the show because we never knew if they were gonna use like old footage or, right, or right. not. But that's so sweet. But Aww. yeah, I just always remember. Was I on this week's episode? He would always ask. It was pretty funny. <laughs> They shot a lot of it, this many saints. They shot a lot of it in Patterson, didn't they? They shot a lot of it in Patterson, but they also shut down a street in downtown Newark to use for the scenes, um, for the riots. For the riots, because there right? was all yeah, those that, hills that looked like Halsey in the Street. I'm trying stuff. to pay attention. I'm like, do I see these streets? And I'm like, there's no like big hill street with stairs going down like that. It's kind of like this, this, the stairs that they had in the Joker. You know, and they were running down the stairs. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, right. that's in and the that's Bronx. Patterson. They were shooting that in Patterson or something because there's a lot of hills in Patterson. And those. Co- there's a lot of hills, but there's also still a lot of houses that still look, you know, old enough. Right, right. And they could probably use them for, for, for establishing sure. I guess there's shots a lot of- and a lot of storefronts. They did um, West Side Story. They filmed a lot of that in Patterson right. because it takes place around the same time. Yeah, the new West Side Story that's coming out. Yeah, right. That's yeah. Steven's. Because it's easy, I guess, to convert, you know, businesses to like period uh, places of of the 60s. And and you can shut down a street in Patterson and it doesn't put a billion people out of business. You shut down a street in in Newark and it's not a weekend all of a sudden like commuting into New York City. (laughs) Thousands and thousands of people will all of a sudden not be able to get to work in Manhattan. Yeah, it's not it's not so simple. Um but the way they did the riots in the movie, I honestly was not expecting it to be so early right, on right, in the right. movie. I thought the riots were going to be like the climax. I thought it was going to be like at the end of the movie. And I'm actually surprised how they did it. I, I, I do like it. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought it was going to play a bigger part because I, I that's all over the trailers, right? That that part. And I mean, I guess I just knew that that was going to be in the movie. But it was it was kind of weird how like their car was the only one that like got through. And if you looked in the scene, there was nobody around. It was just all the rioting and they're just kind of just driving through and <laughs> checking out the scenery, I guess. For dramatic but, uh, purposes, I guess, but I'm sure, you know, maybe some people were being looky loos, you know, at that time. Of course. And, and you know, and, and, of course. and, uh, and, uh, I guess I know a lot of our, a lot of our listeners are, you know, are, are folks that, you know, are from Newark or have spent a lot of time in Newark, but those of you who haven't, you know, the riots are a big, uh, a very major historical point. And, you know, th- those riots were going on across the country at the time, but in Newark it was, you know, it was a, it was a transformative event and era that was going on. So there's, and there's a lot of, a lot of people right now that, you know, are still being affected by it and have a lot of heart, uh, strong feelings about what was going on. So it's, you know, it's, um, it was a it's a big deal to be to show that the the riots going on. Yeah, I think it is a big deal, and it's also a big deal to show the racial implications of that. Right. You know, The Sopranos, the show, touched on those um, those ideas a lot of times, but it's not quite as present, I think, in this movie, just because Leslie Odom Jr. is a main character. Um, and so he was kind of the proxy to be that. Right. I thought that was interesting, given given the times and you know tensions between Italians and other people, how they were such good friends during the 
well, I, the 60s, right? It's when it started, yeah. right? Because it, late, late it jumped 60s, time yeah. periods, 60s, right? The 70s, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, late 60s. Right. But you know what? I think as far as like with uh, with Dicky, as long as, you know, he was able to get money, as long as he was able to, to form a bit. For him, it seemed like well, everything was about business. Everything was about business. And I think a lot of like those old mob guys, it's like it's about business. Right, right. It's not personal, you know? Right. Until it so until you, it gets personal, you can. until it right. gets personal, you know. <laughs> right, dr everything right, is exactly. personal, right? <laughs> yeah, even business, even business right. is personal. You know, people talk people talk like it's just business. It's not personal. That's not true. It's never really true. Uh, so okay, look, so <laughs> I I I really liked it. I really liked it. Here's the one thing I feel, and I'm just putting it out there for you guys to discuss. Um, I felt that because I wasn't so well versed in in sopranos lore there's a lot of stuff i missed it's like somebody you know who hasn't read a marvel comic or seen the movies coming in and like missing things and you guys are making fun of me because you know i was like who's the guy with the glasses is dicky like and i'm like texting them during watching it and i was like is dicky uh christopher's father and i and i guess it's just that's just common knowledge coming in from people from the sopranos right well, not really. Like, I think people were expecting this to be more about Tony and his right. growing up. So, I, 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 I mean, I'm assuming everybody knew like Dickie Maltesanti is Christopher's father. I mean, I guess I just I, knew that. Um, but you, you said right. you didn't, right? And was so, like, mentioned in the show, in the in the original. Show? Yeah, Dickie was mentioned a lot in the show, or just sometimes? and there's a big plot oh, point. A big plot point. Sometimes, but there's a big plot point in the beginning of season four, I think like the first episode, where Tony tells Christopher, hey, this retired cop, he's the guy that killed your father. You know, because Christopher never knew. He only knew that a cop killed his father. It's or somebody Christopher. Killed his father. It's Christopher. 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 Somebody, he always knew that a, that a cop killed his father. And then Tony was like, hey, this is the guy, you know, do what you will. And that's a big plot point where Christopher goes to this guy's house and he kills him. And the cop is just like, you're being set up. I'm not the one who did right. it. I didn't ever kill your father. And it's always kind of like this ambiguous thing in the show because it's very ambiguous as to whether he the whether the guy really did kill his father or was Tony just manipulating Christopher for his own purposes. And that's kind of ambiguous. And it's still ambiguous in the movie because we don't see... Who pulls the trigger? Spoiler alert: Diggy Multisanti dies. Um, <laughs> wow, wow, wow! We don't see who pulls the trigger. Yeah, we don't see who it is that actually kills Dicky. We don't know if it was the cop was paid to do it. We don't know if it was somebody else. The only thing we know for sure is Uncle June ordered sanctioned it. ordered it. Yeah, he sanctioned right. that that the hit. <laughs> right, because Th he's that petty. Was the... <laughs> so it really doesn't matter who was paid was to the... do it. The real person who. The, the intentionality. Yeah, that's, have, that's right. the thing. Yeah, right. it doesn't really matter who it well, is that, that actually did it. It's that Uncle June was the one responsible. Right, that was that was the big reveal, right, through the whole movie. That I mean, everything else kind of played out beat for beat when you're watching. You can kind of figure out this is going to happen, that's going to happen. My big thing was I didn't know if they were going to kill him in this movie or not. You know, I wasn't totally sure where, where they were going to go because I don't remember how old he's supposed to be when he gets killed so i mean i guess i didn't know if they were going to try and like 
leave it open-ended to bring a sequel in but like t you you were saying how there was a lot of things that you missed i know we, we were joking because you and i kept calling it the sopranos movie and ariani's like it's not the sopranos movie it's the many saints oh, of damn. newark he just he and just i'm like did an imitation of you <laughs> <laughs> she, but, oh wait fair enough right before this podcast started what did you say, Ariani, specifically? That we had one brain cell between the two of us bouncing. We had one brain cell bouncing around like a DVD <laughs> a screensaver. So, so, so uh, one between the two of us is that what? Or just yeah. two things bouncing around? Easy, easy. Yeah, just ping, ping, ping. And, like and you added easy and simple. That's funny. Uh, uh, easy to please, simple and easy to please is what uh, what you said. I- um, yeah. <laughs> so so, That's so our cruelty our cruelty here is uh it go there's a two-way street um uh yeah it's it's all in love but yeah of uh, course. but the but it's actually called you know the many saints of newark a soprano story so they yeah, want right. you to of definitely course. know that there's a tie there right so now i know i started watching it before you guys did and i know that i paused it and it was like less than three minutes in and i totally made a joke to you guys like it's three minutes in and they made like a thousand Sopranos references already. Right, so I feel like they're so, they're going to do. They only made one big one, really. What I want to watch is but, like you know how they do it with every Marvel movie or every or every like trailer from some super. I'd like to watch the one that they do for this. I haven't watched it on YouTube, or I don't know if anybody's done it. They probably have. Oh, like the um, what what yeah, you need like, to know before for, you watch this thing. Fifty yeah. Easter eggs, and um, but having yeah, yeah, said yeah. that. And you know, I the keeper of Sopranos lore here, uh, Spade. What what were the, the the like the five Easter eggs you liked the most uh, from the Sopranos that they had here? I so, five or six I'm, or whatever. One, I know the one that everybody likes. <laughs> I, I mean, I liked the I liked Michael Imperioli um, in the beginning, like being the narrator. Oh yeah. Someone like I had no idea he was in the movie. Someone ruined it for me the the morning of. They're like, oh, I saw the no. movie. It's pretty cool that Christopher's the narrator. I'm like, oh, Aww, okay. Great. So I kind of <laughs> knew, knew that going in, which I was disappointed about. But I, I did like, I still like that. Um, I thought Vera Farmiga as Tony's mom looked and, and acted and sounded just like the, the, the actress who played Olivia in the show. I thought that was really okay, now, good. Hold on. If I remember um, the show correctly. Because Tony's mom was just like grumpy and stayed in house and kind of was just like and horrible. horrible and like, yeah, completely and just horrible. overly, overly dramatic cool. and everything and yeah, abusive, yeah, abusive but like, and mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, David Chase said he modeled her after his own mother. <laughs> yeah, Stevie, Stephen Van Zandt, Stephen Van Zandt, who played Sil- Silvio on the show, he said when he was auditioning, like he told David Chase, he was like. Who's going to believe this mother character? She's crazy. She's insane. Like, she's too over the top. And David Chase just goes, that's my mother. <laughs> <laughs> and Stephen Van Zandt thought he screwed himself and he wasn't going to get the part. <laughs> well, so, so, what I, you know, when I heard. Uh, so, wait, yeah, you want yeah, me to keep going? So, that, yeah. that's two, right? So, number three, one of the lines that I like was when they're talking about Tony playing football. And Uncle June says, he never, he'll never have the makings of a varsity athlete. And yeah. that's one of the lines from the show that like really gets Tony pissed off at Uncle June because he's making fun of him because for uh, I think he says he dropped the fly ball when he played Little League. And yeah. he said because he never and the reason he dropped it is because he never had the makings of a varsity athlete. So that that's a really good one, too. 
fans um, love that line. Like that's a like it's like basically a meme for Sopranos fans. Yeah, I mean it's 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 funny. It's 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 a good one for sh- for sure. It's a nice little Easter egg for to drop in. Yeah, and it and it fit and it was appropriate and it it worked out. It wasn't like anything, you know, out of place. Um, something I didn't really love. T is the the guy who played uh-huh. Silvio. He had the <gasps> no. the mannerisms down. He had the voice down, but in most scenes, to me, he felt like an SNL skit that he was doing a joke. And I I don't know if you guys felt this way, but like the beginning, the acting was a little weird and and offbeat and it it got better as the movie went on. But it just I don't know if I don't want to say it was turning me off early on, but it wasn't like getting me super excited. It got better as it went on, though. It right. got better. Because in the beginning, yeah, it was yeah, like, abso- you know what? Because you said that before I watched it. And then I was like, all right, I'm trying to figure out, right? And, and, you know, you see Big Pussy. I have a question. Now, why is he called Big Pussy? Other than, like, he's not a scaredy cat, right? But what? what why, what's, the, what's the thing under there? Because I even mentioned, oh, it's, it's not that, right? They made some kind of comment. Yeah. Because well, it's they, like, they yeah. Make- they made a they made a comment to the priest. It's like it's not what you're thinking. It's not about him being like. It's not about yeah, you know, right. pussy. Right. <laughs> it's about yeah, not being. I guess not being a scaredy cat or something like that. I don't know, but yeah, he's. That was so we don't remember. We have show. to look that up. Somebody uh, will have to. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember because there was big pussy and little pussy on little the show. Little pussy, yeah. Right. Um, and 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 I remember. It's, 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 I remember. it's like how you have multiple Andres. <laughs> I remember. I remember Big Pussy had the he had the um the train set in his garage, right? No, that's Bobby Bacala. No, that's Bobby Bacala. Okay. Yeah. No, Pussy gets No, he Pussy gets he's was like an FBI informant, but he never yeah. really ratted, but then they killed him on the boat in the well, second I, season. I, that, that's that was I his always up. thought that the Sopranos television sh- show would end with tony soprano um going go, go you know testify going to you the know FBI. Why? because what do sopranos do they sing they sing <laughs> they sing yeah <laughs> <laughs> well but then i you know if you do that then it's basically good fellows yeah yeah right yeah right so, okay so, so i guess you don't, you don't really want to do that and then i guess the, the last thing that i that i like to i i thought cory stall as uncle june was, was great it was very good. Actually, I don't, I don't want to consider that an Easter egg, but he he was yeah. Because really Corey Stahl has been in a lot of other things, and I and I and I sort of like, do I know this actor? And it really did. You know him from Ant Man, right? And he and he yeah. like completely didn't look. He was really like inhabited a character. It didn't like. Mm-hmm. And I like when there's acting performances that I'm like, is that the? Oh wow, that's that guy, you know, or that person, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that person, so Dickie Moltisanti is the the main character. Um, to me, he, he kind of looked like uh, Christian Bale. I don't know if you guys thought that at all, but there's a couple scenes I'm like, he definitely favors like Christian Bale. And then I looked up his filmography, and he was in American Hustle, American with Hustle. Christian Bale. Yeah. But the the one thing that I I knew him from other than American Hustle was uh he's in Face Off. Yeah, he plays um the brother. He's, yeah, he's <laughs> Nick Cage's brother. And I'm like, wow, that, wow, that's that's really weird. Yeah, I love him in that movie. <laughs> Face Off's a great movie. <laughs> it is a great movie. It's a fantastic movie. I really loved Alessandro um, 
Nivola here. He he's great. All right, let's talk about his like character. Really and I have a couple of uh, comments here, and I haven't really, you know, you know, I'm sure a thousand people online have already spoken about this. I think a lot because we're seeing the story through his point of view mostly, right? Um, I'm thinking that a lot of the stuff that was taking place wasn't really happening. Like the all, bear with me. Like Fight Club, right? Um, when he was going into the prison to talk to his father, his uncle, his dad's right, twin, uh, played by yeah. Ray Liotta. Ray, Liotta. Ray Liotta. I was like, you know, it was like, and I. At the end, there's a scene where he's there, and then there's nobody in front of him, and he's in the he's in the. You know, in a I remember the Sopranos. Right. They had a lot of dream sequences, and then there was that dream. There was that scene where there, the, there's blind kids playing t-ball, baseball with. Is that a thing? Yeah. Is that a thing in real world? Because that's it. I thought he was making right. that up to make him seem like he's a really so nice guy. It, so, so, so <laughs> that, this that's... is what I'm. Th so, from his point of view, this is again unreliable narrator stuff. That I don't think. That Ray Liotta, that character, is somebody he invented in his head. Funny enough, no one's ever spoke about him. Funny enough, that there's been away from the family, and at the end, he's not there. It's an internal monologue, so he had to speak to his father, and he couldn't speak to his father, so he invented this thing in his head. That's that's at least how I saw it. It's possible, because you know I think The Sopranos has a lot of unreliable narrator stuff, and there's also a lot of, like, um, like exaltation you know, especially with mob guys and the good old days, and even like with Dickie, when you say exaltation, you know, can about, you talk? Oh, what do you? What do you? I mean, I know the definition of the like, word, like but... like praising it, like over praising yeah, something, yeah. Um, like going all so, operatic, because that was a very that whole yeah, tea, yeah. that blind kid t ball thing was very operatic. It was like, and they started to surround him, like you know, it seemed like something. A scene out of Last Temptation of Christ or something like that. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. well, that's the thing. M Multisanti means like the saint saints. or something like that. So, it, right, means many it means many saints. saints. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, right. Okay. So there... to me, they were making him like a saint in that, that scene. That That's how I in interpret so, that. Right. Instead of Sopranos, it's the Multisantis right. is actually the name of this movie. Yeah. Right. I think the unreliable narrator stuff is interesting, especially because Dickie on the show... We never see him. We never meet him. But he's kind of like this legend that looms large yeah. um, right. in in all of their heads. And Christopher never knew him growing up. Obviously, he died when he was a baby. Right. So everybody puts this image of Dickie in his mind. There's this, you know, and then we finally see Dickie in this movie. And he's kind of like, he's kind of like Tony, where he's short-tempered, um, uh, petty, uh you know, just uh, 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 tortured, angry, all of this. Like he's he's complicated. He's human. He's a he's a mess. Um, he cheats on his wife with his stepmom. Like <laughs> you know, weird stuff. He's he's a he's a messed up guy. But as soon as he dies, then suddenly he becomes this saintly quote unquote right. figure. Well, d don't speak ill of the dead, right? Um, here's yeah. another question. What happens to Tony Soprano's father? To Johnny Boy? Johnny Boy gets killed, doesn't he? He he dies before the show. Yeah. Before the show starts. So I think he had like I, a heart attack or something, like something like that. 
I think it was a health health problem that that killed him. But God, I love John Barenthal in this. Like, ah, uh, he was so good and also so. I handsome. love John Barenthal. <laughs> I like him as the Punisher, even though you know some of the things with the Punisher I didn't appreciate. I think he's perfect casting for the Punisher. I liked him in um, in Walking Dead. He's he's somebody you love to hate kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> I love but, to love him. I did like he doesn't look like to me I didn't see any like Tony Soprano's dad it didn't feel like he looked like looking I mean not that they had to look alike but it didn't seem like I had well we didn't see enough of Johnny Boy in the show anyway he only appeared in like maybe a two flashbacks so it doesn't yeah, really but, matter but you know Tony Soprano is run. this pasty faced yeah. no, guy but I, I I I know what he round I get round what face, like, pasty like if Ray guy. Liotta if Ray Liotta was his dad, I think that would have made more sense, right? Because just like the that. whole look is different. Like you know, uh, um, you know, he looks. I mean, they got Michael Gandolfini. You can't really right. get somebody I mean, to was, look more. That like was Tony. scary. How how much he looked. Like. I mean, that was like just yep. him walking on, and he, he didn't was good even have too. to say a thing, right? He did a really good job, but he would he could have done a terrible job acting, but it would still been good because he it like because he was mimicking his own yeah, father. I mean, he just had to stand there. And it was like, that's Tony Soprano, yep. you know, as a kid. And the haircut was great. The 70s haircut. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was great. And I, I honestly got like, like, I'm sure it was very emotional for everybody involved, you know, to. Oh, yeah, it has, has to be. I was a little surprised that actually there wasn't anything like for James Gandolfini, like at the end in the credits or anything like that. I think probably because because from every everything that I've heard about James Gandolfini is that he's he was always extremely humble, like extremely humble. Like I heard like I uh, since the movie came out, I've been watching some interviews with the cast and they talked about a story where I think he had a part where he played like a real life character. He played a biopic. And when he met the person he was playing um, at the premiere, he, he Jim went up to him and was like, I'm so sorry. You know, like he he was always like very apologetic and very, like like no, no. it wasn't like a big but deal. But you know to what? Him, you know? I think Anthony. I think that putting his son in there does fills fills that purpose. That's what yeah. you're saying. You know? Yeah. Like I mean, I I just thought like at the end, like when the credits came up, it would just said you know in memory of James Gandolfini or something like that. I, I it just not a big deal, but it was something yeah. I I was kind of expecting. I like, mean, I think I think too. I mean. I think the last movie he did that came out, I think, I don't know what's the, what's the obligation for that. I don't know if like there's, there can be multiple dedications on a movie. Like, I don't know. And plus it's been, well, I, I don't no, know. No, I know, but, but considering yet, but, what the, the property is that, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, you no, know, it doesn't but, exist without him T's, really. I think T's right that if, I think having his son play him more than, than does that. Um, okay, now I'm going to bring this up. What? And uh, about the relitigation of the final episode. Um, I oh think <laughs> that, for, at least for me, this movie lets you know exactly what happens to Tony in that last scene. He gets shot in the back of the head. They had multiple conversations I about, I don't want to be shot in the back of the head. Don't worry, I'll take care of you. He gets shot in the back of the head. I mean, Dickie gets shot in the back of the head. And The Sopranos was always 
um, you know, from t primarily, again, from Tony's point of view, right? We're there with his psychiatrist. We're there with all the things. It's Tony's story. And it ends with Tony. And this idea that, you know, I don't know, does a bullet travel faster than sound? It just cut it off because that was his living experience and then sudden death and everything goes black right that well i i think that, but that's one of the conversations that they have in one in, i don't think it's the last in episode the show. but it's yeah yeah but it's one of the final conversations in in one of the last episodes about like when you die just everything you don't goes hear black. it coming it's, or that you right. don't hear it coming right um well here's here's how i if we're gonna relitigate this here's what i think about that final shot in the in the show the final scene you mean it doesn't the final scene I don't think it matters. I think because everybody's, you know, there's there's only three ways it could it could have gone. Either Tony dies then and there. Either he gets arrested by the FBI. Or, you know, nothing comes up and he he goes on to live his life, you know, which doesn't really he said and Tony has said on the show there's only two options for guys like me. Either we die or we end up in the can. And I think from my understanding, when the hard cut at the end of the show, it's that we're done. Curtains closed. Bye. Good night. You yeah. know, and it happens with any show, anything. Well, There's not always. That's one thing that The Sopranos was big with. There was ne like the resolutions on certain things just were never resolved. Like yeah. the, the biggest one is the, the Russian guy in the in the woods, right? Like it never came up again. No. You and know. sometimes you have to you have to live with that uncomfortableness, right. you know, when things happen, Being uncomfortable, uh, comfortable with uncertainty. Uncom yeah, you know, right. like there's th there's that not whole answers last to scene. everything. Right, and the, the whole purpose of that scene really is to to show that Tony, for the rest of his life, is going to have to be looking over his shoulder, right? And that's what Dickie failed to do. He knew that they were coming after him, and he never turned around and he looked back. And I really thought that the way this movie was going to end was going to be a cut to black. That'd be and, funny. <laughs> uh, I really, I really thought that's what they were gonna do. I actually thought the way they their choice was actually better because it was more shocking to see that it was. Oh, it was better. I think. Uh, shut up. Because <laughs> <laughs> we know Dicky was gonna die no matter what. All right, that's that's a certainty. All right, that was a certainty. But what was uncertain, and we're still uncertain. We still don't know exactly who did it, who pulled the trigger. We only know who is it, the, responsible. The, the, it doesn't, the person who it doesn't the matter who pulled the weapon. trigger. It could have been anybody. It doesn't matter. Okay. Right? Exactly. Right. It, it, does, it, it doesn't it's, matter, but it's there is Uncle still June. a level. Uncle June it's actually Uncle June. pulled the trigger. It's Uncle right. June that right. pulled the trigger. Yeah. yeah. Right. Not physically. Yeah. That, that was the whole we, thing. You know, we, but, then at, but then you think you think about those consequences because, because then Christopher kills somebody thinking that he killed his father. Did he kill an innocent man? So this we so, don't know. It, it, so this is what I like. Dicky didn't die because he killed his father. Dicky didn't die because he killed his uh, father's second wife or what? It, what and his what is it? What's the term? His gumar. Gumar. His gumar. He died because he laughed at somebody falling. And, and I, 
Well, he disrespected June well, over it and was, over again. Right. There were subtle there's subtle jabs throughout but the whole movie. That and that, that was the was breaking, the breaking point. point. And he laughed. And I I I appreciate that, right? Because you know, this, you know, cause and effect, you know, is there it, it, it wasn't like this he had a coming justice kind of thing. It was like for a random slight. And I think this is really important about people who live their lives in violence, right? Violence is random and, and, and uncomfortable. And the reason why things happen aren't these like, it, it isn't operatic like that. It's like, oh, he looked at me wrong, right? How many people die yeah. in Newark right. every year because somebody looked at somebody wrong? You know what I mean? And and I like that aspect of it. It wasn't people going, we got to all put a stop to him or something like that. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, that, they we... they built it up like Harold was going to be the one that, that killed him. Yeah. Right? They were shooting at each other. They had the beef. You thought he was, you know, muscling up to come get him. And then it's your own guy that right. does it. Yeah. You think it's going to be you this know? great conflict between enemies. And it's never that way. It's always your own right, people right. that that come after you and we see that happening on the show quite often and it's it's like there's oh and like there's always this they're putting this conflict i remember uncle june says early in the movie very early where he's talking about you know the black residents in newark and how there's i guess there's violence among that community he's like oh they're always killing their own they're always <laughs> right and there's always this like this this myth of black on black violence when really all violence is about proximity that's literally, there's no such thing as black on black violence. There's no such thing because every instance of aggression, murder, all of that, it is about proximity. So uh, these mafia and guys, and they, they, they get killed, they get killed by, by each other. Because they're surrounded by awful killers. And if you're surrounded. Yeah. I mean, think right. of, think of Goodfellas. Think of the, the, the Layla scene. <laughs> You know, all of those guys had, you know, got killed. Why? Because they were loose ends. Right. Um, they were loose and this ends. this is one of the... Well, any of those mob This movies. is one of the, the issues why I was never 100% in on the Sopranos television show. And it's the same reason that, you know, like Fight Club is... You know, I have two minds about it. It's because, and I've, I think I've said it on the show before, where, you know... The wrong people come away with the wrong things from watching Fight Club. Oh, for Club. sure. And I think a lot of that happened with The Sopranos. People watched it in a celebratory kind of way, right? Because Tony Soprano is an awful human being. He's terrible, right? And then we're drawn right. in by, you know... and. and so there's a point there, and I, and I don't know, maybe it's because, you know, I, I'm getting older or whatever, whatever and, you know, I, I don't know, my, you know, my own point of view from things changes as, you, you know, you get older. But it's the idea that I don't want, like, I was like, yeah, Tony's going to get him. And I was like, nah, Tony's bad. He needs to be stopped. He needs to be, he needs to be thrown. He's a terrible human being. He causes so many people suffering, you know, um, and and it's real because real stuff happens in Newark, real stuff happens in the Ironbound. People suffered 
during those riots. People suffered in the 1970s and, and you know, within all these kind of things and thousand stories within the school district outside, like a uh, principal from Eastside got shot right in front of the building, you know, and this is all not, not the building he had in, in front of his house. Which, oh, all right. But in the Iron Mountain, right? Right. Yeah, so, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's like, and he had how much money in ticket sales or like, like, uh, he had some money for like numbers or something in his pocket. He had like $1,600, you know, in his pocket, you know, when it, so like, um, it, it's like, I worried at the really height of the Sopranos that a lot of people were coming away with the wrong message from it, you know? Um, and, uh, anyway, I just, I needed to get that off my chest, but anyway. Well, here's the thing. The, the, the Sopranos is not brand new in this sort of right. thing in terms of like, uh, mafia mob movies as a popular genre that all goes back to the great depression why because bankers were the enemy you know the the big rich people were the enemy and who were the people that you know people were cheering for the criminals the people who would steal the money who would steal from the banks who would steal from you know whatever they Rob. could to fend for themselves that's why you know mob movies were popular that's why bank robbers were like front page news and people were cheering for them to get away you know, Bonnie and Clyde. Right. And it's just like, do I cheer for this criminal? These people are criminals, you know? And, and But then you question, like, oh, God, I'm, like, rooting for a criminal. But I'm not so worried and, about... You know, but Scorsese, then you put him in a... I'm not so worried about the stealing of money because I don't care about the stealing of money. It is the suffering that these people and in the, in the extreme violence and cruelty that they exact upon people... That they inflict. Right. Big yeah. Rob Banks, I don't right. care. But there's, but you They're know what? Insured. Right, that money's insured. Right, the, but it's, <laughs> wait, but it's just, it's, just hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to make a disclaimer. We're not telling you to go rob a bank. Please don't go rob a bank and say that T told you to rob a bank. All right, you might get in trouble for that T. <laughs> in any case, the most violence inflicted, I think, that we see in the movie is inflicted upon each other. The people talk. You know, you see, you see the the violence and the riots. The violence and the riots were people stealing stuff. You know, there's one scene where, and people did die in the riots, in the Newark riots. We do see the scene where a man well, you got saw that shot in the movie. The people, yeah. yeah, yeah, a man got shot in the streets. You know, to represent all the you know people that did die in these riots. People died, but it feels more random than any of the violence enacted within the mafia, which is very calculated which is done with purpose, which is done with intention. And that's the difference between violence because of, um, you know, racial problems or political problems. Uh, uh, that all feels more chaotic than anything. I think the most violence was exact. And I'm sorry, I'm looking on IMDb and I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of her character. Um, the uh, Ray Liotta's the second wife. Um, yeah, the Gumar. What's her, what was her? Uh, Iris? What was? G Giuseppe? No. Giuseppe? Josephina. Yeah. It was Josephina, right? I'm trying to right? find her in the I I IMDb cast. I'm sorry, I don't. Michaela De Rossi. De Rossi. All right. That's what was the yeah, name of she... the character? Okay. Yeah, I don't but see her even in Josephina, G Giuseppe, right? Josephina. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. All right. Boom. Um, I, the most disturbing violence was exacted, exacted upon her. 
Well, yeah, because he did it with his bare hands but, and not with just a gun. Right. But, I mean, you could see Ray, that coming Ray, from Ray a mile Yoda away. did it. Dickie did it. You know. It, it, you know, but... but Well, Dickie also killed his father right, with his bare hands, right. too. Uh, you know, I, I, I... But I think, I, you know, I see her character as, you know, obviously she she's made some, uh, you know, decisions based on, you know, financial concerns that, you know... Um, coming from Italy, uh, but just because you make a mistake like that doesn't mean, you know, and, and that was the most disturbing, you know, part for me, you know, the, you know, getting thrown down the stairs and, and, and the drowning yeah. thing. I think that was the most disturbing parts of violence for me, you know, somebody who's, yeah. I mean, she, she was probably, she was the one, she was the most tragic. She didn't have to die for any reason. Right. Yeah. Oh, but also, um, there was a uh, Cyril. That torture scene was pretty. That that's up there in mafia tor- torture scenes, right. um, yeah. with the um, with, with the, the uh, tire I, with the drill. They're, they're oh. the dent. They're the dentist I need to go see. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> the, oh, yeah. oh man. Um. Oh, there's a comment I wanted to make about um, about Liv, and I'm told I told you guys in the chat that a lot of people are pointing out that Vera Farmiga. Looks a lot like Carmela, Carmela right, Soprano, yeah, yeah, Tony's did, wife, yeah. with the uh, with the makeup on. Um, if you put a picture side by side of Vera Farmiga as young Liv and side by side with Edie Falco, they look scary alike. And I think that's not an accident. I think that's done on purpose because there's parts in the show where Doctor Melfi tells Tony that he probably has an Oedip- Oedipus complex, and he's just like. What, you think I want to fuck my mother? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good, Tony. Yeah, that, that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. Yeah, I, I could probably do it better if I could, if I really focus. But yeah, he he really you know got bothered by that, um, which I guess is understandable. But I don't think it's an accident that they put Vera Farmiga in the movie um, to look at least a little bit like Carmela. Uh, you know, another great piece of casting is the the uh, uh, the young Janice. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the sister. Yeah, yeah. She she uh, she looked. I mean, I was like, I was like, I know who that character is. You know, without having to say who it was. You know, I think all the 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 uh, people who had their counterparts on the show. I know Spade didn't like the uh, actor who played Silvio. But I thought he was good no, because I, I no they're su- they're supposed to be funny, you right. know. I mean, he had the mannerisms down, but I felt like it was just, it was like if Pete Davidson did a version yeah. of, of Silvio on SNL. That's what it felt like at sometimes. But th- there are certain scenes where I thought he was good. I thought when his when his hair flipped up and everything, like, yeah, like that stuff was great. Because I mean, The Sopranos. I know it's a it's it's a you know heavy drama, but. It's a it's comedy. Yeah. There there's some really funny it's stuff in Sopranos too. I agree with you, Anthony, but I'm gonna say this. Um, uh, Stevie Van Sant, oh, Steve Stephen Van Stevie Van Sant, right? Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's a little bit over the top. He himself was a little bit like playing a Saturday Night Live version of a right. of a of a, right. a gangster when in the Sopranos originally. It was over but the top. Y- you know what though. Yes, it is, and Paul, you know, Paulie Walnuts in the Paulie original—that's yeah. over the top too. With but this whole... they, 
But thing. they did a good job of making me think that if I met them in real life, they would really be like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this guy just in the movie was doing a shtick. I think, I mean, I think because he had to because they're already very exaggerated on the show. You know, right. it's not like, like Corey Stahl playing Uncle June. He nailed it. But also, Uncle June is not very exaggerated as a character. He got the the voice mannerisms down. Same thing, I mean, uh, uh, Vera Farmiga talking like Livia, she got that down. But there's also not a lot of physical um things about them. But Silvio, he's very physical. He has that frown. He has the right. shoulders. Uh, Paulie Walnuts does the thing with his fingers. He's very vain. He's very, you mm -hmm. know... So all of that, I think th those are the two most physical parts. And I think David Chase said that he had to record Tony Sirico reading lines from the movie. So that way, Billy Magnuson could study um, how to talk like Pauly Walnuts, which is, you know, that's that's, you know, if you have if you have somebody to imitate that, that helps for sure. Pauly was always my favorite, though. And I think, yeah, Paulie and Silvio, I think, were, were everyone's favorites because they were always mm -hmm. the funniest. And I, I think everybody loves the episode where they're in the um, we're in the Pine Barrens. That's probably my favorite episode. <laughs> I don't know if T remembers that I, episode. I do, I do. Uh, I, it's vague. It's been so long ago, I can't remember details. Directed by the great Steve, Steve Buscemi. Yeah, Steve Buscemi was in an entire season, right? Yeah, he played mm -hmm. Tony Blundetto. He, he played gets, he gets, uh, Tony's Tony's cousin. cousin. Whacked at the end. Yeah, right? who they who was mentioned by name in the. I was, was going to say that they mentioned him in, in the movie. They mentioned a lot uh, of names. Like, yeah, what are you going to say? Well, no, because I was I wasn't sure if Tony Blundetto was the one driving the ice cream truck, but I guess it wasn't him. Oh, I didn't even think about that. You know, you know. Yeah, because they were like, they're like, they're like, who, who said that? Because they were talking in the car about like, who, how did you find out they stole an ice cream truck? They're like, oh, Tony Blundetto told his mom, you know. So I, I wasn't sure if that was him meant to be driving the ice cream truck. Because um, it was like him, Artie Bucco, and somebody else. Artie, yep. Right, yeah, Artie little, the chef. Little, yeah. I guess, I guess this is what it feels like when we're on the podcast and somebody's listening to it who doesn't know anything about Marvel and is like, what are they talking about? <laughs> it's me. It's when you guys talk comics and I'm the one just going, who? What? What does that mean? That's me. I am now the person who knows things. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I don't know that if I went to the movies, I would also enjoy it. But I mean, I, you know, it was, it didn't, knock me out blow me over you know it feels like oh let's watch the next episode i feel like i want to watch the next yeah. episode you know what i mean yeah so i mean a bunch of people saw it before i did and they were like it's bad it's not good and i'm I'm like okay i'm gonna watch it and pay attention but uh you know for my own opinion when i saw it to me it was like oh this is just like an average sopranos episode like it's not the worst it wasn't the greatest but it's watchable. I mean, I I I liked it. I, I'm not gonna say I didn't like it. I think it's extremely enjoyable, and I think it still you know? is very thematic as far as what the show is doing. Because the show's big draw was that Tony had obligations to his real family and then his other family. That's that's probably like the pitch for the show right there. 
And then this movie continues those themes. At least it's supposed to show, because all the posters, they go, who made Tony Soprano? It's right. this. It's, gener it's generational trauma. That's why Tony's in therapy. Tony's in therapy because of generational trauma, but from his mother. But there's also generational trauma from Dickie. How does the movie end with the pinky right. swear? You know, right. the pinky swear where Dickie tells little Tony, you have to be good. You have to do better. But that's like the moment where Tony decides, you know, it, it's like it's it, I feel like every adult in this movie fails Tony. And I think that's why he ends up where he ends up, because Tony wanted to be a football player. Tony wanted to go to college. We see him talking about his future goals and all these adults around him are saying he doesn't have what it takes. Except like his like, guidance saying, counselor, his guidance counselor, except his guide. I don't know. His guidance counselor, but also public but also Dickie Dick. But also Dickie. <laughs> Dickie wanted Tony to do better, to be better than he is. You know, Johnny Boy was locked up. Johnny Boy didn't care. The only person who was left that Tony would listen to was Dickie. And Dickie wanted him to do better. Right. But he never really told him, right? That was the whole thing. He was going to tell him in the morning, but then he... Yeah. And then he got killed. shot. He was going right. to He was gonna talk to him in Holston. I, 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 so it's like, what if he didn't get shot? My, my yeah. favorite... <laughs> one, one choice. My favorite part of the whole thing is Ray Liotta in prison. Right? Dickie's dad... Dickie's uncle in prison. The conversation about... Being very The conversation zen. about Buddhism. And wasn't there like a dream sequence where uh, where Tony Soprano see, like hangs out with Buddhist monks during the, like, the original series or something like that? I don't There, I there don't was something with, with a horse... After, um, what's his name? Ralphie kills the horse, and Tony has like I think some kind of visions with a horse or something. Uh, like that. And 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 then he goes and because Dicky is not an intelligent human being, so or let me let me not let me rewind that isn't a very informed human being. He's a very ignorant human being. Like he goes, <laughs> he goes, he goes. All right, get me the birth of cool, and he goes, I got you this other stuff, and it's like. You know, Atlantic City trumpet <laughs> players. You know what I mean? I'm a jazz. He goes here. He's like, no, no, this isn't jazz. I love that scene. And then I think the best line of the film is it goes, why don't you read a real comic book? And he goes, no, this is Ivanhoe. They're doing some Middle Ages. And he's this thing. And there's this Jewish woman. He goes, they had Jews in the Middle Ages? And he's like, and he's yeah. like, well, the Bible. <laughs> It's like I was, I was like, that's brilliant dialogue. That just brilliant dialogue that reveals character. Is very good. David Chase is very good at dialogue. Like there's there's few people that I can say are so good at very naturalistic dialogue like that than David Chase, and I think that's why he set the blueprint. For basically all modern TV, at least the great, you know, TV dramas that we have on cable. Because before that, everything was just network television. Yeah, it was but, transformative. You know, everybody had to play. It, catch it was, it, it, you know, Tony Soprano. I mean, The Sopranos is really the first streaming television show. You know what I mean? Bringing this kind of adult content to a television format. And oops, I just burped. Um, and it's this idea. We'll cut you it out. You want to do that no, again? Keep it in. Keep it in burp. Um, uh, People and, burp, and right? And it's kind of like this thing about we're in a we're in an age where tel 
storytelling is being transformed because of technology, right? Um, and how we consume or how we do these stories. And I, and I always go back, and I probably said this on the podcast a thousand times, but it goes back to Charles Dickens. And what would Charles Dickens be doing now? What would he be writing now? And, and, I, and back during The Sopranos, I would be say, I was saying that he would be writing for cable television. And this is during the thing, because when Charles Dickens wrote Great Expectations or, or Tale of Two Cities or any of these things, um, he didn't write the book and he set it out as a book, these big, huge tomes. What it was, was each chapter was released every week in those kind of like, whatever the, um, the British version of this, you know, Saturday Evening Post was. So you would get the you would get the stories in chapter installments. They run it kind of defined how chapters work, you know, scenes or chapters about why there's still chapters in novels and things like that, you know, and and you would have these things and and really what Dickens would be doing right now is, you know, writing episodic television for a streaming service that was the, of the highest quality, of course, you know. Uh, yeah, but Dickens got paid by the word, so he would use every word in a freaking dictionary to, you know, make well, you that know, happen. There are financial <laughs> concerns for all writers, right? And how, you know, Anais Nin was, what is it, uh, 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 a penny, a uh, dollar a page, like, you know, erotica, right? So, um, but yeah, and, and that's true, right? But no one can deny, and, you know, obviously Dickens is just another one of these, you know, old dead white dudes, but no one can deny Dickens's ability to create these characters, um, rich, rich characters that are sometimes buffoonish. Um, and, and I kind of like think of that when I see people like Polly Walnuts or Silvio, you know, because sometimes you have these over the top characters in Dickens. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not saying David Chase is Dickens, but maybe he's like, you know, maybe... Um, you know, Dickens was a lot more prolific, but um, this is this kind of storytelling that I really like, you know what I mean? And I think I'm beginning to like it more than a two-hour film. I can't get to know a character really in depth that I can in these kind of long processes. Well, I mean, 45, 45 minutes a week for 10 weeks is you know, a right. lot of minutes, Right. <laughs> you know, when you do the math. And you're going to get more from that story. Like, I mean, look at the Marvel shows, right? Like, in two hours, you're getting a movie, but now over, right? you know, six to eight and, weeks. Uh, and, and but like, again, you know, Charles Dickens, you read David Copperfield. That's a big, that's a big old book that goes to really large swaths. Paid of by the word. Large <laughs> swaths of people's lives. My, my favorite trick, though, is when he walked through the great, uh, Great Wall of China. The wrong David Copperfield. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NotAllPods. Visit us on our website at NotAllPodcastWhereCapes.com and send us an email, NotAllPods at gmail.com. Also subscribe and listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Not All Podcasts Wear Capes is a Thaumaturge Wonderworks production. This issue was edited by Andre 3.0 Marks. <laughs> Sorry, T. That's, that's what we're going to do. <laughs>